Um, welcome to the harbor. I hope that you guys enjoyed the beautiful weather today. Did anybody actually get outside and enjoy it or did y'all all just stay inside? Okay, so I'd say about half of you. For the other half of you, don't worry. Tomorrow it's gonna be another beautiful 82 degree day. I hope you can get outside and enjoy the weather after school. Um, I am glad you're here tonight. If I haven't had the chance to meet you or you're new here, my name's Heather. I serve on our student ministry team. Um, and I get the privilege of kicking off a brand new series for us tonight. Um, it's called I Am. And so, you know, when you hear titles like this, it could be easy to think that it's about yourself, about, you know, I am loved, I'm forgiven, I'm a child of God. And yes, while these are all true, that's not the direction that we're headed with this. Um, if you've grown up in church for a while, you will recognize this as a name of God from the Old Testament. And um, it's a name that God actually says of himself when he is talking to Moses at the burning bush. But then in the New Testament, we see where Jesus uses this phrase in connection to other words um, to the people of Israel as he explains to them who he is. And so there are seven I am statements that we are going to be looking at over the next few weeks. And um, each of these, these statements, they represent this, this particular like relationship that Jesus has to a spiritual need um, that we have. And so Jesus, he, he's showing us how he meets those needs with each of these statements. He's showing us that he is our light in the darkness, that he is our entrance and our security, that he is our guide and our protector, that he is hope in death, that he is certainty, that he is our source of life, that he is all of these things. And it's Jesus's desire through these statements that we would see him not for what we can get from him, but what he can be to us. And so tonight, we're going to unpack this first I am statement that Jesus makes. But before we do that, we're going to pray really quick. Father, I thank you for these students that are here tonight. Lord, I know that it was a beautiful day and they could have um, spent more time outside. But Lord, um, I just thank you that they are here. So Lord, I pray that as um, I speak tonight, that you would just give me clarity. Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me, that I would just be your vessel. Um, God, I pray that scripture, that your word, the truth of it, that it would be at the forefront, that we would... Um, understand what it is that you have for us tonight through your word. Um, and we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Okay, so these seven I am statements that we're going to look at, they are all found in the book of John. And John, his whole purpose in writing this book, he tells us in chapter 20, verse 31, when he says that these things are written in this book, that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing him, you may have life in his name. So that's John's whole purpose in writing this book is that he wants us to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. So it makes sense that, that these I am statements would be included by John in his gospel. And so tonight we are gonna unpack the first I am statement that Jesus says, and he says, I am the bread of life. And so before we um, jump into uh, this passage in John 6, I wanna give you the backstory and the context of what just happened before we jump into scripture. So if you're familiar with the feeding of the 5,000, that's what just happened in this passage, that Jesus just took five loaves of bread, two fish, and fed, which is actually probably 20,000 people, not 5,000, once you count women and children. So about 20,000 people Jesus just fed. Um, 
he sees that this crowd is hungry and he, he nourishes them meeting a physical need. And so he knew that these people, they probably wouldn't be able to listen to what was going on when they're hungry. Anybody else like that? Because I 100% am. Like if I am sitting and listening to a lecture, even if I'm in like Sunday mornings in service, I have to have a snack before I go in there. Because um, it's hard to focus when we're hungry. And so Jesus, he meets this physical need, knowing that when he does that, he can then um, establish a deeper relationship with them. And so that very same night after Jesus has just fed these 5,000 people or 20,000, Jesus then walks on water. The disciples, they head out to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which if you aren't familiar, the Sea of Galilee is actually more like a lake in size. Um, It's very small. Um, I had the privilege of going to Israel a few years back, and you can literally stand on one side of the lake and look over to the other and see the other side. Like, not that far. Hey, guys, over here. Thank you. Um, We just see Jesus walk on water. The disciples, they freak out thinking that it's a ghost that they're seeing. Jesus approaches them and he's like, I'm not a ghost, it's me. And as soon as he um, steps into the boat, the storm that had been surrounding them stops. And instantly they're at the spot where they're supposed to be. And so the next morning, this crowd, they, the, some of them had left, um, but a lot of the people that had uh, just been fed by Jesus, they remained to see what else they could see from him. And so they stick around um, And they're like, wait, Jesus isn't here. We saw the disciples leave, get in the boat, but Jesus wasn't with them, so where did he go? So they get in a boat, they go looking for him, and they find him. So this is where we pick up in uh, John chapter 6. It says, they found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. When I read this, I have this like tone in my head of like Jesus just basically saying like, quit playing games um, and just be real with me. Like he calls them out on what they're doing. He sees right through them. He sees right to their heart. He knows what they want. They aren't coming to Jesus because of who he is. They're coming to Jesus because they want the miracle. They want the product of what Jesus gives. They were like, hey, yesterday, I didn't have to pay for food. I didn't have to go home and make anything. Jesus, he, he gave me something. I wonder if I stick around a little bit longer. Like, what other miracle will he do? What else can I get from him? And so he calls them on it. I mean, they literally stuck around through a storm the night before, waiting to see what else they could get from him. And so Jesus, he corrects them. And then he says, but don't be so concerned about the perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of approval. They replied, we want to perform God's works too. What should we do? So Jesus told them, this is the only work that God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. Jesus makes a very clear statement right here. He says, the only thing that God wants from you is that you would believe. When he's talking about this seal of approval um, that's back in like kings and all that kind of stuff, when they would wear these signet rings that had a seal on them, they would pour wax on a letter and then stamp their ring. And that was a seal that showed um, a claim of ownership, that this was mine, that this letter has come from me. And that's essentially what Jesus is saying right here. He's saying, I have God's seal of approval. I'm from him. And so they then answer him and they said, you know what, show us a miraculous sign. If you want us to believe in you, what can you do? After all, our ancestors, they ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scripture says Moses gave them the bread from heaven to eat. This blows my mind. The same group of people that literally were just fed by him, that he fed 20, 
5,000 people and there was even leftover food, they're asking for a miracle. They just saw him do one. And yet they're like, hey, prove it. Show us that you're the son of God. And then they're referring back to the Old Testament when they talk about manna in the wilderness. When the Israelites escaped out of Egypt, there was those 40 years that they wandered the desert. Every morning, God would send manna, which is basically bread from heaven for them to eat. And he did that faithfully for 40 years. They could only collect enough bread for that day. If they did collect more um, the next morning, there were like worms and stuff in it. Like it just was gross and it was spoiled. So they could only collect enough for that day as a sign of God's faithfulness. And so that's what they're referring to here. They're like, Moses, he provided this bread for us. Jesus tells them, I'll tell you the truth. Moses didn't give you that bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. They're saying, that's what we want. And so Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. So this right here, this is what this passage surrounds. This is what this moment like kind of culminates to, that Jesus is comparing himself to bread. I, I, but why? When I first, you know, read this and I'm like, why bread? Like, God, that's a really weird thing for you to compare yourself to. Um, have any of you, like, I know if you have, but, you know, you go to restaurants like Olive Garden, Texas Roadhouse, and, like, the one thing that you're super excited about is, like, the breadsticks and the, like, free bread that they give you. Like, that's the thing that you're like, yes, I can't wait to eat that. Um, and, you know, like, when I was younger, not going to lie, I probably still do it today. Um, you know, when I go out to eat with family, grandparents, stuff like that, like, that's the first thing that you're, like, so excited for as a kid. You're like, yes, I want to eat all of the bread. Um, Especially like Texas Roadhouse, when you get the like cinnamon butter that you can put on top of it, that makes it just like even better. And it's just so good. Um, You enjoy that bread. You maybe even get like a refill on the basket. But then your actual meal comes that you ordered and you get like maybe five bites into it. And you're like, "Uh oh, like you instantly realize that you are so full from all of that bread that you just ate. And you're like, my parents are gonna be mad at me that I just ordered a $20 meal and I'm not gonna eat it. Like you, that sets in for you and you realize it. The thing is, is that like bread fills you up. Like that's what it does. In the Jewish culture, like bread was synonymous with eating a meal. That they, it was the same to them. About 50 to 70% of the Jewish diet, um, their calorie intake was bread. Like same. Um, It's something that you eat when you're hungry and it's something that fills you up. Um, Jesus is using bread, this everyday tangible object that they are so familiar with. And he uses it as an analogy for who he is. It's like eating bread. When you are physically hungry, you know, you eat the bread and you're full and you're satisfied. The same is true when we view Jesus as the bread of life. Jesus isn't, you know, like later on in this passage, they're like, are you telling us to like eat your flesh? And Jesus is like, no, that's gross. Um, That's not what he's saying when he says, I am the bread of life. Um, But we're not going to get to that part of this. Um, But what he's saying is that when you come to him for eternal life, 
you find satisfaction, you find fulfillment, you find something that makes you full. Except that there's a major difference between actual bread and Jesus as the bread of life. When you eat bread, give it a couple hours and you're like, no, I could eat again. Like, give me that actual food that I wanted to order. But Jesus, he makes this statement in verse 35. He says, but whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. When you eat this bread that Jesus offers, when you take the eternal life that he's offered, um, we're satisfied, we're full. And there's two things that Jesus tells us to do. He says, come and believe. So if you've ever like felt that longing, that like pull in your heart, that like, man, there's something more to life. That's there for a reason. Ecclesiastes 3 tells us that eternity is set in the heart of man. And so it makes sense that we go off searching for something greater than ourselves. When we come and believe and truly put our faith and trust in Jesus, we're left satisfied, never wanting to search again for anything else. And so he goes on and he says, for it's my father's will that all who see his son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day for no one can come to me unless the father who has sent him draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I will offer also, so the world may live, is my flesh. Jesus, he came to accomplish the will of the Father, that whoever comes to Jesus will never be forsaken, that they will have eternal life. That's what Jesus is offering here when he says that he is the bread of life. He is offering eternal life. So how do we get this eternal life? Jesus has already told us. He said, come and believe. So Jesus goes on to explain that when it comes to believing, uh, there are two parts. There's God's part and there's our part. Man's part is just to come and believe, like he said. God, he does everything else. God's the one that gives us that desire in the first place to even be drawn towards Jesus. He's the one that when we come to that point of coming to believe, he's the one that saves us. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and it is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not from works so that no one can boast. It's not our own doing. It's not our own good enough. It's not our, like, we're this great anything. It's Jesus. That's what it's about. He's the one that takes on the heavy load. He's the one um, that does the saving. All we do is we come and we believe. In this last part of the passage, it says, many of the disciples said, this is very hard for us to understand. How can anyone accept this? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the son of man ascend into heaven again? The spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me for Jesus knew from the beginning, which ones didn't believe and he knew who was gonna betray him. Then he said, "True, that is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. That last verse, when it says, at this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. 
It's not referring to the 12 at this point, anybody that kind of followed Jesus or, you know, sought after him that was referred to as a disciple. At this point, a lot of them turned and walked away. Jesus, he makes this claim and people are forced to make a decision. Okay, what do I do with this? Do I choose to believe what Jesus has said about himself? When I was in college, I had the opportunity to serve as a summer camp counselor um, at Liberty for a week. And the second to last night, the speaker for the week, he does this huge gospel presentation. um, And at the very end, he's like, I don't want to do that whole, like, raise your hand if you want to put your faith in Jesus kind of thing while everybody's eyes are closed. He's like, no, I'm not about that. What I want is if you have made the decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus, I want you to walk down to the front where our camp counselors are, are waiting and they want to talk to you just help you understand the decision that you've made. And then he was like, but hey, also if you're questioning, you know, if you have questions and you're not really certain about this whole Jesus thing, like come down because we wanna talk to you too. So a bunch of students came down um, and the girl that I ended up having the opportunity to talk with, uh, she was one of those people that was on the fence. She was one of those people that was like, I have questions, I'm not entirely sure. Um, Can you help explain it to me? So I went through this whole process with her of looking at God's word and just walking her through what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, to recognize that we're sinful, that we are broken people, that we lie, that we cheat, that we gossip, that we do all of these things. And that because of that sin in our life, that there's separation between us and God and nothing that we can do can get us over to him, that we're never gonna be good enough, that we can't work our way there but that God in his unfathomable love for us sent his son to bridge that divide so that we have the opportunity um, to spend eternity with him, that he died on the cross, taking our punishment, taking our sin, paying the debt that we could never pay back. And all we have to do is come and believe. Went through this whole thing with her, probably 20, 30 minute conversation. And so at the end of it, I look at her and I ask her point blank. I'm like, is this the night? Like, you understand, you tell me you don't have any more questions. Is this the night that you want to put your faith and trust in Jesus? And I will never forget the look on her face. I will never forget her answer that she gave me that night. She looked at me and she said, no, I don't think I'm ready. And she walked away. In that moment, I was stunned. She got it. She understood it. She could explain it back to me. But she didn't want it. So I I ran after her. I gave her my number and I said, hey, like, please call me if you ever have questions. Like, if this is something later down the road, like tonight you're thinking about it, like, just call me. Never heard from her. And even to this day, like, whenever that story comes to mind, I pray that she had that opportunity again um, to put her faith and trust in Jesus to come and believe. I think that sometimes we make it so complicated. Like, is it really that simple? Is it really as simple as come and believe? Are you sure that I don't have to like get myself together? Are you sure that I don't have to, you know, complete some checklist or or whatever it is that you think that it is in order to be able to come before God? but it is that simple. Jesus told us that the only requirement is come and believe. Jesus said that he's the bread of life 
that when we come and believe that we are eternally satisfied by him, that we don't have to go off searching for anything else that's gonna fill this desire in our hearts. For the person sitting in this room that doesn't know Jesus, you don't have to go searching. He's right here in front of you. He's saying, come and believe. That's it. I'll take care of the rest. If this is a place where you recognize, hey, that's me, please come talk to any of the leaders. We would love to have this conversation with you of what it looks like to follow Jesus. But then for the people in here that claim to be a believer, that claim to be a follower of Jesus, Jesus is our eternal source of hope, of life. He is our bread of life. But our hearts are also very prone to wander. And so I wanna caution you because something that I've discovered recently is that a lot of times boredom is what that longing looks like. Those endless hours scrolling your phone that are you still watching? Yes. That play next episode? Yes. Those hours we spend wasting away is a little like check from our heart saying, hey, something's off. Like, what are you searching for? What are you longing for? What are you trying to numb out? And so I challenge you, like, if you find yourself in that cycle, like, check your heart. When was the last time you spent any time with Jesus? Is your soul longing for that time with the Lord? Is your soul saying, hey, it's been so long, I I need that time with him in order to be able to function? And if that's you and you're like, man, it's been a while, like I encourage you, we have a ton of free devotionals out there in that center lobby that are free for y'all to take. um, That I would just encourage you, self-evaluate, see where you're at. And if you haven't spent any time with the Lord recently and you feel that longing, um, Jesus is the only one that's gonna meet that. He's the only one that's gonna fulfill that. Not social media, not anything else that this world has to offer. And so um, I would just challenge you guys, um, evaluate where you're at. So we're gonna head off to community groups, um, but I'm gonna pray really quick before we go. Father, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for the truth of your word, God, that you are the source of eternal life. God, that we don't have to go off searching and try and figure it out for ourselves, that you tell us that it is through you that we have eternal life, that we have um, that hope of heaven. God, and all that you require of us is that we come and believe. So Father, I pray that for those in here that may not know you, that they would recognize um, and come to this, this point in their life of, stepping forward and say, yes, that's me. Like, I want to come to Jesus and I want to believe um, and give them the courage to, to speak to a leader tonight. And God, for those of us in this room that know you, Lord, I pray that we would recognize when our heart and our soul is longing for you. God, we know you, we love you, and we trust you. But God, there are t- still times when, when we stray from you. And so God, I pray that you would pull us back towards you, that you would give us that desire um, and help us to recognize that desire in our hearts um, to be drunk towards you. So Lord, I pray that you would just bless this time um, in these next few minutes with our community groups. We love you and I pray. Amen.